And I thank you for this, and I pray that your word, your Holy Spirit, would move this morning, Father. Thank you that we just got to sing of the victorious name of Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for that, Father. On the rainy misery of today, Father, we get to be in here with the party that is Wellspring, celebrating the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In your powerful name, amen. Christmas was a few, uh, few weeks ago. How many, what percentage of the gifts that you bought your kids are they still playing with? <laughs> if, you're, if you're like me, the percentage is very low. There are some toys hanging out in our little playroom that if, if they haven't been played with, like they, they haven't been played with. It was like for like a moment when they opened it up and that Nerf gun bow and arrow that I spent money for my kids and they're not playing with anymore. It, like it's not happening. For some of us, we look back just a few weeks ago and if we're honest when we're thinking about it, we probably made some unwise financial decisions uh, that maybe gives us the January blues as we're paying things off. Uh, the lack of discipline, when it, sometimes around Christmas, the lack of discipline in general when it comes to, to finances and wisdom that, that okay, we, we made some bad decisions maybe around Christmas, and, and we can roll with it. We're going to get through January. We will endure. But one bad decision after one bad decision after one bad de decision, that, that, that has a way of adding up, and, and, and when it adds up, poverty is just around the corner. I I probably made some bad decisions when it came to Christmas gifts for my kids, and and I would hope, I really really hope that that a bad decision around finances, that I would hope that 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 lack of discipline would be unlike me. Because for me, if you if you can relate to this, I love a good deal. Like my favorite day of the month is when the BJ's catalog comes in the mail, and I can scan through all of the coupons because I love a good deal. I'm doing a triathlon. Uh, uh, an Olympic triathlon uh, in September. And I've signed up with a few friends. And since I'm a competitive person, uh, my goal is to make sure not only that I beat them, but that they're crying when they get through the, the finish line, right? And so I wanted to buy a helmet for, for biking. And I, the helmet that I have is from high school. It's, it has a Boston Bruins sticker on it. It kind of looks like in the 90s, the bowl cut was really popular. So it kind of looks like a bowl cut. It's nothing aerodynamic. And so I wanted a new one. And so since I knew that was coming up, I bought this off of Dick's, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. And it's a $60 helmet which is a complete waste of money because I bike once a year for a, a triathlon. And, but guess what? I had a $30 card, uh, gift card from Christmas. I had $10 off because I get, like, points when I, like, do certain steps and stuff. And then, so that's $40. And then I found this wicked coupon that gives me $10 off for a purchase over $50 and free shipping. So I got this for 10 10 bucks. It's fantastic. You can, oh, great. Clap. Yeah. I look ridiculous and you're clapping for me. I found a good deal. And the reason I needed a helmet, because I did have one previously, but I really, really wanted to uh, spend some money. And so I went on Facebook Marketplace and sold all of my biking equipment. So I needed a helmet. I love a good deal, but, but I have to be honest that I can make unwise decisions. And if, as we've said, the fear of the Lord is such where we should fear Unwise decision after unwise decision after unwise decision, leading to financial hardship. Now think about everything I just said. 
I love a good deal. I want to buy this helmet. I tried spending things off of the marketplace to buy things for myself. Everything that I have thus far mentioned is selfish in nature. What if I wanted to grind, find a good deal for one purpose, blessing somebody else? What if I got so excited about finding that, that, Dick's, that Dick's coupon to bless somebody else? What if I went as far to give, I'm not doing this, but what if I went as far just to give this to Jordan so he can be a little bit more competitive because, no, I'm not, I'm going to destroy him. But what if I cared about other people enough to do that, to care about a good deed, to care about a good deal to, to serve others? The thought that I have for us this morning is that we all have a role to play poverty. This was the most convicting sermon that I have studied for in such a long time because as I looked, what Solomon had to say throughout the whole book of Proverbs is that I see that every single person in this room, it doesn't matter your financial status, every single person in this room has a role to play in poverty. And if that is true, then we need to attack poverty from a place of understanding. And so, so the first thing that we, the first few set of Proverbs that we're going to look at is that we need to understand the a, a the, the a reason for poverty it says he says this in a in the few of the proverbs he says how long will you lie there o sluggard when will you rise from your sleep a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber it will catch you by surprise and like an armed man Another proverb says, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. The book of Proverbs mentions this, this word slugger 14 times. And is, in the book of Proverbs is the only time this, book is, this word is used in the Old Testament. It's used in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, this is isolated to the book of Proverbs. Why? Because wisdom would say there's no room for laziness in God's economy. He's talking about that if you fold your hands, if you're, if you're given over to sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep, then there is an obvious outcome. You're not going to earn a paycheck. He talks in this, he uses language in here that, that would say that, that this is going to catch one by surprise, that, 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 they're going to, that they're, they're going to sleep all day and then wonder why they don't have a paycheck. It will catch them by surprise. And, and the person in the room that would be, be offended by this as they, are, as they are maybe one given to sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. The fail, it, it, when we do this, when we act in this way at its root, is a failure to love. That I'm an able-bodied person, able to provide for myself. But because I'm given to sleep and given over to laziness, I expect other able-bodied people to provide for me. That's not loving. This, what Solomon is saying here is that lazy hands are empty hands. Lazy hands are hungry hands. This is a condemnation to anybody that is able-bodied and begging out of a place of laziness. He goes on in another proverb. He says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. 
that, that somebody who is, is a sluggard, lazy by, by nature, is someone who lacks discernment, who can't care for themselves, or, or has no intention to do anything that would bring any sort of a payoff. These are the type of people that are going to judge others for their actions. Why aren't you helping? Why aren't you helping? But they're going to justify themselves by their intentions, by good intentions. It talks about an appetite. They have an appetite for whatever it might be, but they're not willing to do anything to satisfy that appetite, that craving. It's the high school student that, that says, I, this summer I want to I wanna make the high school football team. And he sits around playing Madden. Madden's a, a football game where he, he's playing the professionals that are playing football. The, he's playing He's pretending to be the professionals that didn't play video games and became professionals. So he, he plays Madden all summer long. And then, and then a, week, a week before practice, he's like, oh, crap, I should go to the gym and start working out. And, and he, goes to, he might go to the gym for two days, but when it comes time for tryouts, he's out of shape. He hasn't put any of the work in. He gets cut, and he's like, oh, God, why did I get cut? Where were you? Maybe I was there saying stop playing the video games and get out there and get to the gym. Be prepared for what's coming because you knew it was coming. The other side of that is, is Ava and I knew that, that we wanted to go on a vacation. This year, Ava and I, it's crazy, y'all, like the 10-year challenge. Like, we made 10 years of marriage this year. It's awesome. It's blissful. And so we knew that was upcoming. She reminded me, 10 years is coming. 10 years is coming. I'm kidding. But, but seriously, 10 years, we're here this year. And, and so we knew we wanted to go on a cruise. But we also knew that we didn't want to have to pay for our vacation after the vacation. So we went on a cruise, and we took it out like layaway, where for the last two years, we've been paying money towards this cruise every single month. And so we're going to go into vacation with the cruise paid off because we knew it was coming. We had an appetite, a craving to go on a nice cruise with each other. And so we prepared to get there instead of saying, we'll finance it and we'll just pay, worry about it after. That's living in la-la land, as we've said. Another proverb is this, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Another says, in all toil there is proffer, but mere talk, mere talk tends only to poverty, to ignore discipline, to reject discipline is to welcome poverty. Mere talk with no action is is by definition un, undisciplined. Mere talk is, is, that, that has no action is, is, is utterly worthless. You want, you talk like everything you want, but you're not willing to do anything to get there. I'd love to, I'd love to, I'd love to lose weight, but I never want to go to the gym. I'd love to lose weight, but I'm good with eating a chocolate cake every night before I go to bed. Like, like you, your desires must meet your actions. Otherwise, you can't expect certain results. For Ava and I, we, we went through that budget. I told you last week we went through that every dollar budget. We started doing that. This isn't our actual budget, but this is the app that we, that we do use every dollar. And, and what we decided there was if we're in this, then we have to be all in. And so there was a time when we first started doing this where we got to the last day of the month 
and there's a grocery line item in our budget, and it had $9 left, and my parents were coming into town, and Ava said, Ava was like, well, you know what? Since tomorrow is the first day of the month, let's just buy groceries today, and we'll put it towards the next month. And, and I thought for a second, I was like, no, we have been living an undisciplined life when it comes to finances. We have $9. We're not going to live in la-la land, because then the next month means that we're going to say, oh, well, there's only two more days till the end of the month. We'll just put it to that. And then four days and then seven days and then this. And we said, no, we've committed to this budget and this budget will be utterly meaningless unless we stick to it. And so we went to ShopRite and bought myself, Ava, my parents. We bought dinner for $9 and we made it work because I didn't want to go a slippery slope to an undisciplined life. I didn't want it just to be mere talk. This is mere talk unless there's actions that back it up. Another proverb that says, a slugger does not plow in the autumn, but will seek a harvest and have nothing. A slugger does not plow in the autumn, and then sometime later will seek a harvest and have nothing. There's a time to plow fields after the rain so that you can sow a harvest, but if you're not willing to plow fields and put the work in, you can't expect a future income. The lazy man does nothing to prepare for what's coming. The lazy man does, knows what might be coming but cares nothing for foresight. To expect a goal without the necessary work is, is, is utterly ir- irresponsible. To sleep, to sleep through periods where you, could be, where you could be getting ready for the harvest is, is irresponsible. We live in uh, the, one of the, the, two, one, the two most... Um, uh, employment areas of our of our community is is one of them is is the construction industry and another one is, is the is the teaching industry. Those are two industries that are are predominant in the employment status of our community. In both in one industry you have you many have have winters off and in another industry many have summers off and and y'all should be fighting for more pay. Y'all probably deserve more pay, but you also have these unique opportunities for many that that would have either summers or winters off and in in our community one falls when when many employers although they might not be glorious jobs where many employers are help are trying to get holiday help or many employers are trying to get summer help and, and so I know of a teacher that says I'm not going to complain about my summer off I'm going to see it as an opportunity to bust my hump and and she works a summer job that she's had since she's in high school and every single summer she makes over ten thousand dollars a summer just busting her hump with a summer job because she wants to prepare for what is coming throughout the year. I feel like that is good responsibility with the opportunity that is before them. Here's two, here's a few, the last few proverbs for this, for this one. The love, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Little sleep and a little slumber and the folding of hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber, like an armed man. We've said this. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags, which is a way of saying poverty. He mentions gluttony and drunkenness as two things that would, that would serve to demotivate people. 
two, two aspects of, 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 of taking to the extreme drunkenness and taking to the extreme gluttony that, that would be sinful in, in what they're talking about. And it's these, these, it's these habits where we lack self-control and it breeds laziness. It breeds being sleepy and nothing, what positive thing comes from that? When I made the decision to quit, get out of the drinking game, it did wonders to my bank account. Well, I mentioned last week uh, a lady named Lori. I didn't mention her by name. I'm mentioning her by name today. Lori, who came to me two weeks ago and said, guess what? I need a new car. But guess what? I need to quit smoking as well. So here's what I've decided. I'm going to quit smoking. And the average uh, cost of cigarettes is about $8.75 a pack. And she said, I'm going to put $10 a day, because I was smoking a pack a day. I'm going to put $10 a day into a piggy bank, and I'm going to work hard. And by the end of the year, I'm going to have about $4,000 to, to put down or get a new car. That is good wisdom. Now, her friends say that for the first two weeks of quitting cigarettes, she may have been a miserable person. But she's getting better, admittedly. <laughs> but she's doing it as well. She's there. She's quit smoking, and she's saving that money, and it's only for her good. Now, here's some things I need to clarify before we go on to the next point, that each time we meet the sluggard in the book of Proverbs, Solomon is never saying, never claiming that the poor are lazy. He's warning against the behavior that might lead to poverty. So we dare not sit in our privileged position judging those that are poor, saying, well, here, Jason said they're all lazy. No. This is a, this is a cause to, for us to reflect about the behaviors that if we are to live an undisciplined life might lead to poverty because we all have a role to play in this. The second thing is that we all must understand now the reality of living in poverty, the reality of poverty. He, Solomon says this, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The, the poverty of the poor is their ruin. He's talking, he's comparing too, and one of the ways in which he's com comparing is he's, he's, he's highlighting that, that, that one is, one is to, to their strength, another is to their ruin. To, be, to live in, in, the, in the midst of ruin is to live in the midst of pressure. These are financial burdens where they have, where, where because of their financial burdens, they have unique temptations, unique to them, unique where, where they see social decline, where they, where they see the need for materials, where they feel pressure every single day because of their poverty. That's the reality. Now, now let's do a little gut check here. The, the reality of poverty is probably different than the reality that you and I feel. The reality of poverty is not that that we would that we if we were to feel real poverty, that this isn't the pressure of my daughter's birthday party. This is the pressure of actually getting my daughter food. This isn't the, the pressure of having a husband who's a so-so dad. This is the reality of having a husband who owes $55,000 and I can't put food on the table. It's, it's not the pressure of pleasing my son with an, a new $85 video game. It's the, pleasure, it's the pressure that my son is a size 10 and he only has size 8 shoes and I have no money to get him new shoes. It's not the pressure of replacing a broken TV. It's the pressure of, is my sleeping bag in my tent right now too wet to sleep in tonight? That's the pressure that those in poverty face. 
Another proverb says this, the, the, follow, the fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but, but it is swept away through injustice. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. A poor, all, all a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do, do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. The reality of living in, in, in poverty is that as, as you try to dig yourself out, that there are people lurking around looking for injustice to take advantage of you, to keep you in poverty. It, it, the reality of living in poverty is that you know superficial relationships all too well, that you know what it's like to be shunned, literally hated. You know what it's like to be unwanted. You know what it's like to be deserted by well, relatives. You know what it's like to know people, but they keep you at a distance. Poor people are not looking around at us thinking, are they able to help out? They're looking around at every relationship in their, in their sphere of influence, and they're wondering, are people willing? They don't question your ability. They question our willingness, and this is the reality that they live in. But, but Solomon also says this, a rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. Poor people, the reality of it is that they're not all unwise. Some of them are very wise. Some of them are very on to our game. Some of them are very on to the injustice. He's talking about the rich person that looks at their wealth and says, well, I'm good to go. I've got it all together. That's foolishness. There's nothing righteous about that. Poor people are some of the most discerning people that we will ever discover because they, they know people very well, given where, where their current situation. I, I was on a spring break trip uh, back before, like, apps and things were a big old thing. Uh, I'm dating my, whatever, I'm older. And, uh, and so I'm on a spring break trip, and we decided one night that we wanted to sleep on the beach. And uh, we didn't know what the weather was upcoming. And uh, you all have that buddy that just blurts things out and you're, like, embarrassed, but you just kind of roll with it because he's funny to have along. Like, I had that. Usually it was me, but this time it wasn't. And I had this buddy. We were talking with, uh, with a homeless man. And, uh, and so my buddy, my buddy walks up to him and says, sir, you seem like you're a man of the streets. And I immediately I was like, all right, this is awkward. And, uh, and he's like, Could you, do you know if it's going to rain tonight? And, uh, and this, guy, this guy looks around, he, he, he looks one way, looks the other way, he pauses for a second, and then, and then he says something that has stuck with me ever since. This is probably going back now 12, 14, that's going back a few years. And the man looks at us and says, boy, the wind's a-blowing, you better be a-running. <laughs> and the wind was blowing, and we ignored his advice and slept under a lifeguard stand because it was raining like the Dickens, uh, all night long. And uh, we didn't take his advice, but it, to this day, whenever I see the wind blowing, more often than not, there's, or the wind blowing, more often than not, there's rain coming. It was one of the wisest things a poor man has ever said to me. The rich and the poor meet together, and the Lord is maker of them all. Rich and poor stand equal before God. Rich and poor, rich and poor have the same benefits of being a child of God. Personal worth is better than professional 
worth. Personal worth is better than financial worth. God does not measure personal worth by, by a financial criteria. A simple shift in our thinking would see that you and I, no matter our bank account, are equal before God Almighty. We celebrate, we value an all-inclusive gospel message that says, can you think of a sin that Jesus didn't die for? We can't. That we all stand equal before God, equally in need of Jesus, equal in our mess, and equal in need of Jesus to reach into the mess that we have created. Because guess what? Sin is crap and all crap stinks. Every single one of us has sin in our life and it's all stinky before God and he reaches out into that mess and he loves us. And so rich or poor, male or female, whatever label you want to put on somebody, this is what the verse is saying. This is the reality of being poor. This is the reality of being rich. This is the reality that every single person walks in here with is that we are equal before God and equally in need of Jesus. The last point that I think Solomon makes through this is that we must understand now the need for action. He says the poor poor is uh, is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Whoever Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. The poor deserve a neighbor. The poor deserve to be loved by the rich, not shunned by them. What what Solomon is saying is that if the rich man stands in his privileged position, shunning the poor person, that that is the equivalent of a hostile act. That is the equivalent of evil. The equivalent of being able to help and doing nothing about it is evil. Kindness in its most genuine form is helping the poor. Why? Because the poor can't repay you. Generosity is giving and expecting nothing in return. How did Jesus define a neighbor? He defined a neighbor by anybody in need. Might we love our neighbor as Christ has called us to love? He he says this, uh, to understand the need for action, is the poor uses uh, entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. He's he's again calling this evil where we would not look at a poor person and and, and brush them off and and speak harshly to them. They know that all too well. They, They might be on the streets. They might be in an environment where they go into a certain scenario and people look at their economic status and they're always speaking angry and roughly towards them. Instead, when we we can look at a poor person and be gentle and kind with our mere words that would go so far with them. He says this, a poor person who walks with integrity, uh, better a poor person who walks with his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. You understand the need for action is the understand that no matter what we do, rich or poor, that we should be pursuing uh, integrity, that we should not be looking for unethical, shameful ways to to minimize the poor for our own financial gain, that that you and I, we are called, no matter our financial situation, to act with integrity and to care about others more than we might even care about ourselves. And then here is the group of verses that wrecked me this week. Solomon says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. He says, whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at at calamity will not go unpunished. 
Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. He's saying if you want to mistreat the poor, you're mistreating God. If you refuse the poor, you're insulting God Almighty. And what did we say in week one? That wisdom is driven by the fear of the Lord. This should rivet us. This must sink in. Is that if the way in which we treat the poor is the equivalent to how you and I treat God. Wisdom in the area of finances, we must let the fear of the Lord sink in on this one. To honor the poor is to honor God. To be gracious to the poor is to be gracious to God. To, to have this attitude. Attitude is, is action waiting to happen. A- attitude is action waiting to happen. So how you view another says a lot about how you will then treat another. And so what is our attitude when it comes to the poor? Is it, is it that do we mock and ridicule over them? The, then that attitude to mock and to ridicule and to, and to look at them as lazy, to look at them as whatever you want to put in there, that is an attitude that is disrespectful to God Almighty. And so I read this. Ava and I have made a commitment this year as we look through our budget to say, we are no longer going to just willy-nilly click the one button, buy all button on Amazon and just click and buy and it shows up two days later. That we're going to go before each other and we're saying, okay, we're going to check every purchase before we, before we buy anything on Amazon because we're wasting our money. And so we've been doing that, and my uh, cart on Amazon has been loading up. And one thing that was sitting in there this week was a winterized tent. I was waiting to buy it and buy it and buy it because I just didn't want to spend the money on it. And then I read these verses on Monday or Tuesday, and I was like, what a fool. How dare I not spend the money to help these people? I would not want to stand before God and say, I left my my Amazon Amazon cart full so I can purchase the fun things later on. You wouldn't want to be me to stand before God having done that either. Perhaps those in need don't see God because they don't see those that God has richly blessed, blessing others. They don't see God as loving because God, the ones that he has positioned to be loving aren't loving. Perhaps they, 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 they are questioning God's ability because they see those that are able, not willing to do it. You and I have this unique, privileged position to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we meet real needs in our community. So we all have a role to play in poverty. We must understand what will lead to poverty. We must understand the reality of poverty. And we must understand uh, whatever I just said. We must understand uh, the need for action. My question is sometimes, do we Americanize the gospel? Do we Americanize God when we think, God, I can do nothing and you can provide everything? Do, do we, maybe God has given us wisdom to get out of our own way and to meet, meet certain needs. Maybe the wisdom that God has given you and I in the area of finances is God being gracious and not a genie in a bottle. And so my challenge to us, we, we must all be part of the solution. If God has tugged on you in some way today, what will you do about it? Will you help the poor? Will, or, if, or if you see that maybe there have been unwise decisions, will you quit smoking? Will you work over the summer? Will you work over the winter? Will you stop buying maybe the games that you don't need to buy? Will you, will you do what you need to do to, to get to the result that you're hoping to accomplish? And so my specific challenge is 
young or old, rich or poor, is that we would all make a budget, make an actual budget, and not just say, I'm going to spend my money haphazardly, or I kind of have a plan, but to actually make a budget and then actually follow through with it. My kids earn a commission every single week. We don't use the word allowance because we think words matter. We're not, pre- we're not teaching them to be entitled. They, they do chores, they do work, and they earn a commission every week. And their budget is that they give some to savings, they give some to Jesus, and they get to spend some money. That's their simple budget. That young or old, we all must make a budget. But then guess what? The budget is meaningless if you don't follow through. The budget will do absolutely nothing if you then don't make the hard decisions. Ava and I, when we make a paycheck, some of my, my paycheck has health care provided in it. I, so my discipline is that I must put money each week towards health care. Because I, when health care comes up, I don't want to be stuck with no money wondering, well, God, where are you? Well, he's been there. Just have the discipline to take that money out of your paycheck every week. I, I don't. We have. We. I have. Ava. Every time she makes makes a paycheck, we take. We've been taking twenty percent out of every single paycheck because she's self employed. This year, we didn't know what what the whole like uh, tax bracket was going to look like and everything, and so we upped it to twenty five percent. Because guess what? Every single year, the IRS wants money. <laughs> And so we didn't want to be, we didn't want to come April and be like, God, what are you doing? God, there's no God, God, God. Like, no, you idiot. Save the money and get ready for, get ready for tax season because it's coming. <laughs> and, and so we, we take that money out. And don't tell me that when you have a budget that taking baby steps won't make a big difference. Ava and I bought dinner for $9, and that discipline has proved valuable ever since. Glory is, is saving money every single day, and I guarantee you that God God will do something special through her story and through her discipline with that. Graham goes on vacations for $2,000. He, he travels internationally for $2,000. Some of y'all are smoking cigarettes. You could travel internationally by the end of the year if you just give out cigarettes. Like, that's crazy. Can you guys bring up that table of things that we have collected? This is a call for us to take action. This is a call for a simple uh, perceptive a perception shift. This is a call for us not just to meet needs in our community, but to actually be God within our community, to to be the living hands and feet of Jesus, to look at that as an avenue of, of how people can experience the love of Jesus. There are people, this is just the first service, and this is, there's more in the hallway. And so what I, what I wanted to do as, as we close is I wanted to pray over this stuff because th- this is stuff that isn't just to meet a need. This is stuff where, where somebody, somebody maybe tonight is going to be sleeping in a sleeping bag. And you know what, Michelle, wherever Michelle is, stuff all of this stuff with God loves you cards. Because perhaps one day they're, they're going to be sleeping in a tent, they're going to find a God loves you card, or they're going to be doing something, or they're going to have these shoes, or whatever it might be, and they'll find that God loves you card, and they'll remember that where they think that God isn't present, God isn't around, that God is present, He is real, and He's providing through the local church to make a difference. We are making a difference by our simple acts of kindness. And so I want to pray over this, we'll sing a song, and, and we'll go on continuing to show the love of Jesus to the people that need it most. God, I thank you for this moment, Lord. I pray over anything that is, that is given today, that it wouldn't, that it wouldn't be showed. That, that it wouldn't be, that it wouldn't just, to, that it wouldn't just be like, oh, we'll help the poor today, but, but then forget about them tomorrow. Father, that it wouldn't just be a warm night's sleep or, or a tent to, to, to shy away from the rain, Father, that this would be more than that, that this would be them experiencing the love of Jesus, that they would see you as a good Holy, awesome 
Father, because you are, and we get to exemplify that. We get to be part of the solution. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And I pray that this impacts and points people to you. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.